0: are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help
1: you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
2: Moreno everyone, good morning to you on this uh, Wednesday morning, uh, beautiful day where uh, I am, I hope it's uh, where you are as well because uh, there's a lot of uh, drying out to be done, particularly uh, up north there. Wish you all the best with uh, that, it just continues, continues to hammer this country, the weather at the moment. Uh, we are brave souls and very patient souls it seems. Uh, our uh, show of course is brought to you by Brent, your local John Deere equipment supplier uh, experts in all things agricultural, and uh, in charge of those beautiful green machines as well. Uh, very shortly we're going to be talking to David Long. David of course uh, specialises uh, in the Warriors so we'll talk about uh, what's happening in the Warriors camp. There's been a team naming uh, and their reaction to uh, all this palaver that has been going on during the week. Uh, we'd love to hear uh, any texts you've got on, uh, from you. Uh, we won't hear them. Uh, we'd love to see them, actually, on 8883. Um, but we'd also love to hear from you. That's why I was getting it after 9.30. Uh, who's your uh, Black Caps World Cup team uh, all of a sudden? I've only got four games to go before uh, the World Cup itself, and they're against England, and it would seem um that uh, all the selecting would have to have been done by now very positive news coming out of trent bolt this morning reading an article on stuff where he really would like to play in the World Cup, and he hasn't kissed goodbye to his Test career either. Uh, so that is really good news. Uh, so I think if you're going to pick one, you better include him in it. Uh, that would be great. Uh, also, we'd uh, love to um, hear from you on any other matter regarding the Warriors. It still isn't going to go away. What uh, do you think the NRL are going to do about this? What would you do about it? Uh, now that you've had a couple of days to think about it panel uh, with uh, Jamie Wall and Brad Lewis at 10.20 prior to that uh, we hope to be talking to Gary Stead head uh, coach of course for the Black Caps and uh, speaking of head coaches how about Brett Matahari how good's he going with the Otago Nuggets unbeaten uh, as playing through champions talk to Brent after 11 o'clock and Andy Thompson uh, at quarter to 12 because of course it's Wednesday and that means it's rural roundup day
3: Sport is our religion. And here is Smithy Sermon. Uh,
2: the topic of the week as we look to climb the hump has uh, surely been refereeing and the possibility of bias against the Warriors holding centre stage. This is not a new issue or grudge or beef uh, by any stretch of the imagination. And the two decisions of contention last weekend were f- by far a long way short of the worst over time. This has been a simmering powder keg since uh, Adam was a standoff, not a cowboy over here. It really just took somebody to be Guy Fawkes, and that was Jason Paris in this instance. He lit the fuse, and it became time for the hard hats. Did his uh, instant emotions get on uh, over the top on this regard? Yes, his uh, sort of retraction the next day was an illustration of that, a certain case of knee-jerkitis. I think the fans of the Warriors class of 23 have a newfound attitude akin to the players themselves. There is a lot of respect for the attitude and commitment and there is a feeling that this is being blocked or whittled away by forces they can do very little about. To label someone a cheat in anything they do is a far cry from labelling them incompetent and somewhat out of their depth. Neither one of them is all that flattering but the latter is a good deal easier to prove and in no way are we suggesting there is any form of collusion for financial benefit or other to use the Warriors as an easy target. But the weight of texts and messages coming into the station is heavily in favour of supporting the need for the issue to be addressed, uh, the historical one I mean. New, Zealand's in, uh, New Zealanders are inherently not that fussed on Australians and their big brother attitude and a lot of things particularly sporting they'll keep your foot on the underdog's throat through fair means or foul. This hopefully will prove to be little more than a big storm and a big teacup and to think that the Warriors will get any favours out of this all is like that kid in the playground, you know that Aussie kid in the playground? You're dreaming Jonesy, you're dreaming. righty let's get stuck into it because David Long is a very busy man. It has been a, an interesting week for the One New Zealand Warriors. Most of the media attention has not come from what they uh, have been doing themselves, but that uh, of One New Zealand CEO Jason Paris, and his comments towards NRL referees, much documented. But the Warriors fronted the media yesterday ahead... Uh, Their team naming uh, as the clock winds down to their Friday night matchup against the Bulldogs. Looking forward to getting back into the business at hand. Joining us now is uh, David Long, uh, senior stuff uh, sports writer, covers in particular the Warriors day in, day out. Uh, David, good morning to you. I know you're on a a strict timeline. What's the latest you're hearing about the NRL's investigation of Jason Paris and his comments about the NRL referees?
4: Yeah, listen, I think, Well, I understand that they, they're still looking into it. Um, whatever conclusion they'll come to, uh, uh, I'm not sure what it'll be or, or what sort of time no, that that will come out. But I'm sure there will be some sort of statement. They're not going to they're not going to let this go without sort of making any comment. I don't think. Um, you know, particularly we we saw got a sort of taste of that when Graham Annesley, the, NRL, the NRL's referees boss, said he was hot under the collar about these comments on Monday, um, and it's been a bit quiet from the NRL since then. Um, but uh, I, I don't really know what sort of punishment they can do towards the club because you know, obviously Jason Paris is not, not employed by the club. But um, as I sort of alluded to in something I wrote yesterday, is that um, one sort of avenue that where the, um, the NRL could sort of seek revenge on, um, on Paris is to um, uh, int- introduce again the clause in Telstra's contract um with the NRL that they have an exclusivity arrangement of being the only child co- to, that's allowed to sponsor an NRL club and they they sort of um allowed the Warriors to to continue to be their sponsors, um well as well with one New Zealand or Vodafone as they used to be and you know, it could be at some point in time when they say, Well actually we wanna we wanna um use that inc- exclusivity clause and sorry one New Zealand but you're gonna you're not know, we to sponsor the Warriors anymore.
2: That would be massive, I think it's uh, it's well over a million dollars, the deal there to the Warriors, not easily replaced, so uh, the Warriors spoke yesterday with the media uh, you were there obviously, and uh, they're looking to, to dumb down this uh, this flame, aren't they to dampen it down a wee bit with the, the right attitude
4: Yeah, that's right, I mean fortunately I guess in some ways the, the, the team stayed in Australia after the, the game against the Panthers in Brisbane um, and then heading down to to Sydney for the Bulldogs game so they've sort of been a, a bit a, away from the sort of the, the headlines a bit I guess this week which has already been a bit beneficial for them and uh, you know Andrew Webster tried to sort of um, make the best of the situation yesterday when he spoke to the media and he's sort of in an awkward position because you know he can't go criticising um, uh, Jason Paris as obviously they give they give his club a hell of a lot of money each year but also he can't come out and say he, he believes he's right either because then he, then he gets into hot water with the NRL. Um, so, I mean, I'm sure I'm sure Andrew Webster, you know, he, he's um, upset and frustrated about some of the decisions that have gone against the club. Um, but, you know, he he sort of made it his stance all year that he's not going to be criticising officials. Any, and he's sticking with that, really, even though, you know, you can sort of sense deep down that he's, he's just, um Frustrated as a lot of people are about, about what's been going
2: on. Interesting to see the appointment of the referees this week for the Warriors game against the Bulldogs. And I've given to Ben Cummins uh, as uh, the man in charge who has a lot of experience under his belt.
4: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, it's an awkward one this week because, uh, you know, whatever, if people are going to be scrutinising any decisions that go. Um, Against the Warriors on Friday, you know, if if you, the Warriors start getting to go their way, people are going to say, oh, well, the referees they bow to public, they bow to the pressure and uh, and uh, you know they're going soft on them. Or if they if, or if they if this is well, to just go against the Warriors, people will say, well, they're taking revenge because they're unhappy about how, um, how the club treated them this week. So it's uh, it's it's an awkward one. And obviously, as you said, Cummings is a, is a very experienced referee, um, and he probably didn't need someone like that for this game. So I don't know, hopefully, it's it's a it's a, a game without any it's, it's
2: issues in it. Right, let's uh, quickly, if we can, David, look at the the Warriors team, please. Uh, name for the match: uh, Luke Metcalf. A lot of hope that he'll be back very shortly, but uh, he's in the reserve grade team this week. Rocco Berry uh, making his debut for this season.
4: Yeah, it's, it's sort of been forgotten about, hasn't it? The, the team, interesting team selection for this game because of all the we always going on, but yeah, there is some uh, some interesting selections for the team with with Rocco Berry back. And it's I think it's um, I think they're very really keen on seeing Rocco back in in the team again and having a good look at him because Andy Webster's been injured a couple of times and Andy Webster hasn't been able to see him play properly. And I think how he plays, you know, will determine quite a bit in terms of you know how they sort of look at their mix for centers for for next year and in the future really because. So, yeah, you know, they do. They do rate Rocco, and we've seen Billy Army, uh Army's a drop down the pecking and order a bit lately because um, they don't seem to rate him that much at the moment. And there's Braden Willie Army as well. He's been injured as well. But I think it's a big, it's a big game for Rocco, and it's a big few weeks in terms of you know how they sort of see that um, the outside backs for the next few years really. With that, and an interesting one as well with, as you said with Ronald Volkman coming in into the halves. Um, they tried him a few weeks ago uh, with Sean Johnson, and it didn't really work. Um, they were playing two similar styles, and it was like there were two sort of guys playing, trying to play the same way out there, and it didn't it didn't really click together. Um, and that's why um, uh, Dylan Walker got put into the team. And um, everybody having Andy have said they want to give it have another go at Walkin there this weekend. And I think, but the main reason for that is I think over the last few weeks they've lost that impact on 20 minutes when they had. Uh Dylan Walker and Jazz Tavanga coming on and, and running the field and making a really big impact against some tired uh, forwards in the middle. That was one of the real sort of um positives about the early season uh winners on the Warriors and obviously Jazz is out for at least six more weeks with his injury and then with Dylan going in starting at 5'8", He's out of that role now. So um um I, I expect, you know, um that to be a big boost for the Warriors on Friday night with Dylan um coming on and sort of trying to create some chaos, and he's got very quick footwork to sort of dance around um, tired middle forward. So um, you know that could be a bit of positive for for the Warriors on Friday night. Um, are we
2: are we looking to expect uh, Tohu Harris to run out?
4: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. He said he was all fine after his um, knee uh, problem a couple of weeks ago, and he got through the last weekend's game all right. So as, as far as I know, it's, it's it's all it's all go with him. Yeah.
2: Okay, uh, just um, Mitchell Barnett, of course, had a cracking start to the season, um, but not named at all. What are, have they given an update on how he, how Mitchell Barnett's going?
4: This is it's a bit of a murky one, this. Um, so I I heard talked a while ago that he's you know that there's been discussions about whether he's going to take medical retirement and he doesn't want to take any more risks with his neck um, and. You know, obviously, you know, put the rest of his life, not the rest of his life in danger, but, you know, affect the rest of his life because he makes another bad bang to his neck. I did some inquiries inside the club around this, and they sort of insisted that, uh, no, there's been no talk of retirement that they've heard of. Um, If Mitchell's been telling people, they don't know about that. But he is going to see a specialist this week to look at the bruising on his neck um, because it it hasn't got, last time it was checked, it hadn't gone down that much. So um I think that's quite a sort of um a big um appointment is a specialist on that, which could determine, you know, what the future sort of looks like for Mitchell Barnett. Because, you know, he's sort of become he's not a man, but he did have a really big impact um at the beginning of the season um for the Warriors and obviously he was a key part of what they were looking for in terms of having that big um middle um middle forward in the team this year.
2: Uh, David, uh, we know you've got to head off, so uh, thanks very much uh, for um, just uh, making yourself available first thing this morning, um, and uh, those updates uh, in and around the refereeing situation and the team itself. Have a terrific day, and thank you again.
4: Thanks a lot. Cheers.
2: Cheers. Uh, David Long there, senior uh, stuff writer for the Warriors, uh, focusing on there. So, uh, yeah, we'll um, take a short break. When we come back, uh, Logan will read out that uh, team, and uh, we'll just have a a bit of a chat about it as I said double eight double three I'd love to hear uh, your thoughts um, on where you think this is going to go uh, is there a possibility that Telstra might pay play the big boss card uh, and say uh, you're out um, and and what would impact would that have on the club we'd love to hear from you to also on 0800 150 uh, there's that to talk about um, after nine thirty, there's also Um, Give us a view on where you think uh, the Black Caps are heading In a couple of key positions The top three uh, And spin bowling options uh, The Trent Bolt situation Getting him back on the side Is very, very interesting Um, And also a big, big game of rugby this weekend uh, The Blues against the Crusaders Massive one Love to hear your thoughts on how you think That will go as well It's 9.17
0: agriculture, covering your
1: equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SNZ.
2: Yes, it's 9.22 and uh, just confirming, uh, Logan, uh, we went through certain elements of of that uh, Warriors team, but um, you've got it uh, confirmed on your piece of paper there. So and we've had a text in to say the Warriors cannot carry Lusik and Walker uh, on the bench Walker is your 14 covering dummy half that's Egan and Locke Harris Uh, Lussock is it Freddie Lussock of course he has sat on the bench for 80 minutes just two weeks ago
3: yeah it will be an interesting one I I mean to me it sort of feels like the Warriors are trying to manage Wade Egan's minutes a bit you know he's had head knock issues, uh, this, I don't really want to say issues but you know he's had problems uh, this season, he's had a couple uh, in quick succession so I guess they want to try and ease him into it they did that last round in Magic round uh, where I think uh, after about 20 minutes they pulled Lussik. Uh it will be interesting but he is named on the interchange so he is there but I mean things could change and the extended bench could come into play because you've got Bailey Sirin in, in there as well but Yeah, interestingly enough, of course, uh, Luke Metcalf, they don't want to throw straight back into first grade. They want to give him some time in the New South Wales Cup. That's on the main team is playing on Friday night, but the reserve grade team plays on Saturday uh, afternoon, 2pm, also against the Doggies. And I believe it's on Sky, but details are a little light right now on the guide there. Uh, And I think... The big question mark is also around the centres here, Smithy. Um, I'll quickly go through the team and we'll go from there. So, Charles Nickel Clockstar is uh, again your starting fullback. Dallin Liz zalesniak my God, I can normally say that name. Uh, on the wing, Rocco Berry and Adam Pompey, your centres. Marcelo Montoya is moving back to the wing. Uh, Ronald Volkman and Sean Johnson are your halves in the four pack Aiden Fanua, Blake Wade Egan Buntioff off Fowler, the second row there of Josh Curran and Marata near Kode, and then Tohu Harris there in the 13 jersey of course your captain as well as you mentioned there from David Long hopefully everything is fine there of Tohu and he does get the start everything goes fine he doesn't re-aggravate that knee injury because Smither you're hate to see that again but yeah the big question mark is around Rocco Berry making his return. Does he play on the left? Does he play on the right? He played on the right uh, for the New South Wales Cup and he has done well but that is where uh, Adam Pompey has been playing so if you put Rocco on the left there you avoid making another shift but the right is where Rocco has been performing well.
2: It's an interesting one actually. Uh, Yeah I mean they just can't Quite get um, a constant pairing there. Um, what would be their number one pairing in the centres? Uh, that would be interesting to know. I mean, is this any with anything like it? I uh, oh, look Ed Corsi will be missed. Um, you know, he he's out what, for three to four weeks, maybe mm. uh, by the look of it. Uh, so that's not a good thing for him. And um, is are you just going to have an attrition like, attrition rate, a high attrition rate? In um, and, and Warriors games or in NRL teams, anyway. But I, I like the idea of uh, going back to, um, you know, uh, giving uh, Volkman another opportunity. I mean, he's in your squad. You picked him uh, to develop him. I think this is a good game for him uh, to develop. I think, you know, he, he won't. Johnson, all going well, will have 80% of the playmaking role. Uh, that's just the way it is. But I, I, I like the, the thought, that, um, and it's important that Volkman does uh, use that 20% well because um, there will be so much attention. You can bet your bottom dollar the Bulldogs now are just looking, how do we shut down Johnson? If we shut down Johnson, we shut down the Warriors. That's why Volkman, his 20% um, input there becomes really, really important and just creating something which diverts attention away uh, from Sean Johnson from time to time. Uh, they're, they're the key issues for me. I mean, you know, they, they had opportunities um, but just, the, the last couple of weeks, they just haven't been converting Logan to the same extent that they had been before. Yeah. That, that's the problem for me. They just have not quite been converting those uh, goal line opportunities. Um, the defensive side of things has been pretty damn good throughout the season. Not, a, not an issue there, but it's just converting those those opportunities that are making the difference for them at the moment.
3: Yeah, and I think the Warriors have enjoyed having uh, Marcelo Montoya in the centres there, but obviously uh, injuries there do force the shift back to wing. To me, Ronald Vogman, he's more of a natural seven than a six, so it will, but I mean, great to learn from Sean Johnson, of course, so perhaps more for the future. Uh, Vogman wears the seven once uh, Sean Johnson either moves on or, or retires. We don't know what he's going to do there yet. And great that we are because the big. Uh, factor in those early rounds Smithy as uh, David mentioned was the impact that uh, Dylan Walker had off the bench. Great having him in any position that he could play, he's so versatile that's the thing that I think a lot Mm. of fans love about him is he can play almost anywhere on the park and he has great ball skills no matter where you put him. Uh, But off coming off the bench there he will really provide impact and I hope he provides some headaches for those Bulldogs because uh we the Warriors definitely do need a win. They've sort of slumped down there to eleventh on the ladder after being second uh just a few weeks ago. So but when I look at that interchange smithy, uh it does look a little light on uh power, I'll say, outside of Dylan Walker. We haven't seen much of uh Sivakula yet. Tom Ali, uh, not too bad either. I'm not writing him off, but I just Bunty off forward. And it has to start because of the depth that's been tested at the moment. But Bunty again is one of those players I find performs much better as an impact coming off the bench.
2: Mm, I, I totally agree. Uh, you know, he, his ball carrying uh, towards a, a tired defensive line has been, uh, has been outstanding. Uh, Mark has come in and said, Hi, Smithy Volkman's the one that worries me. When you look at that team, I don't think he's up to first grade yet. And uh, there is that suspicion, Mark. I I totally agree with you. Um, You know, his uh, last uh, full appearance as such, he was basically taken off. You don't see playmakers taken off uh, that often, do you? So hopefully uh, they've been working with him big time um, on his game and uh, we can perhaps... um, uh, get uh, a little bit more out of him and a little bit l- more longevity on the park out of him as well. But they do know, of course, uh, they've got uh, Dylan Walker up their sleeve. It's uh, not a bad option. It's been an OK option, but it hasn't been a match-winning option that's been the problem. Uh, it's coming up to 9.30. Um, look, uh, we would like to um, invite you uh, to call us on 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811. What have you made of all this uh, palaver? Where do you think it's going to go? Do you think... Um, I'll just draw a line under it now. They've shot uh, across the bow of the Warriors and and, um, uh, won New Zealand. Um, They've given them the frightness as if to say, look, clam up. Otherwise, uh, we will go towards uh, the Telstra side of things and call them the big boys to make some very important decisions. Or do you think they're going to do that now? Uh, What would you think is going to be the end result of that? Uh, Blues against Crusaders this weekend. Massive game, really big game. Um, against um, an all-black coach and his uh, assistant as such. Both uh, these two teams, whilst they're still handy in the points table, are they playing to the capacity you would expect them to do for those high-profile coaches? I don't think they are. I really don't think they are. And the Black we're going to talk to Gary Stead um, just after 10 o'clock, hopefully. So we'd love to hear, um, what about Trent Bolt? Yeah, Trent Bolt's got to go in, doesn't he, if he's available? And what else, uh, what do you do with Devin Conway? Who, uh, who's the captain? Southie. Uh, they're talking Salvi maybe as the, as the one-day captain. Don't disagree with that. Southy's going to be in the team full-time. Latham and the keeping situation. Uh, how do you feel about that? Latham's performance with the bat was pretty darn good in Pakistan at times. Uh, it's 9.31 here on SENZ. 0800 150 811. That's the number. Love to hear from you after the break. Talk
5: back time with Smithy. Call now 0800 150
0: 811.
2: Radio 933, we've asked for your calls and uh, Paul has come in from Northland. Good morning to you, Paul. G'day, Paul. Hello, Paul. I can hear something in the background, but... uh, Hello. Uh, Hello, Paul. G'day, how are you? Welcome into the show. No, he's gone. Okay, um, we'll wait for Paul to call back, hopefully, and uh, get him back on. Yeah, a number of issues to talk about. Um, um, warriors, obviously, big-time Warriors. Okay, Paul's there this time. G'day, Paul. G'day, Steve. I think it's my
5: first time
2: talking to you, mate. It's uh, a pleasure to talk to a cricketing legend. Uh, I'd, I'd like to, yeah, oh, thanks very much. It's, uh, I think the legends are a bit overused, but hey, hey in all honesty, uh, Paul, <laughs> <laughs> um it's pretty wet up there again, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's much
5: better than it was yesterday, but a very windy today in Northland and um Yeah, patches of rain, but uh hopefully you've seen the the worst of it, mate.
2: Okay, right. Let's uh let's talk some sport. What would you like to focus on? Yeah, um
5: it's good to see Rocco Berry back. I, I have been watching him in the New South Wales Cup. Um, and uh, I think he's just what we need in the centres because he's, he, he's got good footwork and he knows how to put his wingers away, so um, I'm hoping Rocco Berry goes well, um, and I think the jury's out on Volkman. I think, um, yeah, inexperienced, but hopefully they are working on him and, and he comes right. Uh, I just can't wait to get Luke Metcalf back, back in that team, mate.
2: Yeah, Luke Metcalf in the pre-season games was one of the standouts and everyone yeah. saw that uh, early performance and thought, hello, uh, we've got something special. And, and at that stage, we didn't even know how well Sean Johnson was going to go. So Luke Metcalf was uh, was uh, going to be big for us. Of course, that uh, the part of the season's been history for us. But I'm like you. I want to see him back very, very quickly.
5: Yeah, um, unfortunately with the NRL, you know, if you can't keep your best team on, on the park for probably 60% of the season or 70%, then, you know, you're gonna struggle. So we're, we're struggling to keep our best team. I don't think we've had our best team on there uh, yet, but um, yeah, just on the sponsorship, I, I can see it getting ugly with Telstra. I I, I think um, Jason Paris might be sort of a bit worried about Telstra, you know, being the big, because they do have that clause on the contract Exclusivity, And they've basically given the Warriors a bit of leeway there with Vodafone. So watch the space on that one, mate.
2: Yeah, it's an interesting one for me too. Uh, I mean, I'm not quite sure uh, what they can do as to, um, to Jason Paris as an individual. Uh, I, I would imagine they're looking at all those very uh, avenues. And then I'm not quite sure. Uh, he would have... He would have a, I would say, a clause within his personal contract uh, with one New Zealand that um, that says you can't bring the company into disrepute, disrepute yeah. or threaten the com- companies, and that effectively um, might be making him a wee bit more nervous from within more than anything else. I can't imagine for one second that his superiors, being the board, his directors, etc., have not had a reaction to this. Yeah, but has he brought
5: it into disrepute? Because I'm. Um I'm a member of uh, quite a few Warriors social pages, and there's a lot of people out there that are saying, "Right, I'm going to one. I'm going to one NZ now." So it's probably done a lot, a lot for the company, to be honest.
2: The, the thing about this, Paul, is that you're a, you're a long-time supporter, right? I mean, you know, and you, you know, you've been following the Warriors for a long, long period of time. I take it. This is just, um, this to me, uh, I mean, they weren't, the, over the years, we've seen a lot worse decisions go against the Warriors. Than, that was, that it just needed someone to light the fuse, surely.
5: Oh, absolutely. I mean, you mentioned you are in a pub and everyone was sort of agreeing with the shocking decisions. Uh, and it's not just, it, it seems to be every week. And yes, other teams do get bad decisions, but you cannot deny the decisions that changed the game for us you know and and you know some of them have been season-defining in the past and you know the worries are going so well with their or thereabouts, and when you get two really really inconsistent bad decisions that could be our season and I guess we just had enough mate to be honest
2: I think you're right uh, what about the chances this weekend with that side against uh, the Doggies I've stayed over there um, so they haven't come home to take the travel factor out, just got to go from Brisbane down towards uh, Sydney. So how are you uh, expecting him to go this weekend? you confident?
5: Oh, definitely. I think staying over there was a good idea, but I, I see uh, out the, car, the Fox is back um, from an ankle injury, whether it's going to take him a game to come back to where he was or not, but hopefully they won't give him any space. Um, you, know, you know what he's like when he's got a bit of space, but we can definitely beat the Bulldogs. I think we'll get the Broncos and Napier because, uh, you know, Origin's coming up and um, then we've got the Dolphins and then we've got a boy. So that's four, four games that we can, we, we can win. Well, you know, there's eight points there that we can get. So hopefully that's the case and that'll put us right back in the eight.
2: Looking forward to it, uh, Paul. Hey, thanks very much for your call. Yeah. Thanks for making contact. Uh, don't be a stranger, mate. Love to hear your thoughts on the Warriors anytime, anytime, man. Cheers. Thanks, Have a good mate. day. Uh, Paul, Paul from Northland. Uh, next caller on the board is Dean from Dunedin. G'day, Dean. It's been a while.
6: Yes, mate. You've been a bit hard with the weather and whatnot, trying to get through and trying to do a little bit of work every now and then too, so pay the bills. So it is what it is. But I got through today, so all good. Um, obviously, this weekend, well, the next three five weekends for Super Rugby is huge but for me, it's time that everyone sort of woke up, they've they got to be treating them as all black trials, especially this Blues game against Canterbury, now I know I've harped on about it for long enough that the consistency of the Blues, I've just not sold at all but certain players this weekend, if they don't step up for the Blues, it's time just to let them go and give other guys a crack And you, you I've mentioned the names, I don't need to do it anymore they, they, they on their day they are outstanding, but they're professional athletes, and I want that day to be every day, not when it suits
2: them. Look, I think you're right. Um, this is the sta- this just traditionally was the time of the season where. I know when Steve Hansen uh, was in charge that he really started to look at these big games as we get more to the playoff side of things in the start of the season. That's him when he wanted to look at uh, how his potential All Blacks were playing and I, I don't think that because Ian Foster's been his understudy for so long, I don't think that policy will have changed along with Joe Smith and Jason Ryan. They want to see um, head, he, um, head to heads this week, there's no doubt about it. Um, I, I totally agree with you and. and I mean, they should be they should be peaking for these games, shouldn't they? They should be playing at World Cup level for these games. Well, they have to,
6: but the thing is, with the Blues in particular, they they just they just won't. And I've done it for years when they haven't fronted when they need to front. Like the the final last year was an embarrassment for them, but it was anyone that knew anything about rugby could see that coming. It's just the the Crusaders play a game totally different to the Chiefs. Like, honestly, I, I think the Crusaders will go 5-0 now. They'll win the next five without too much difficulty. If they get second or third, I'd like to see them get second so they get a little bit of home advantage, but they won't mind going to Canberra. That's no big hurdle for them. And the Brumbies have got to... They haven't got an easy run. No one's got an easy run home. It's, the format has worked out perfectly again for the competition. Every game if you like rugby, there's something on it. The Chiefs are playing an, an unbelievable brand of rugby, but you can shut that down. The Crusaders got real close, and as I said before the game, I thought they were a gallop short, and they look like they're a gallop short. They're not going to be a gallop short now. Will Jordan's back? Uh, Blackhead is not far away. I just hope for the life of me that that Damien doesn't doesn't get a bad injury with his defence. Like he, he's he's yeah. such a tough little nugget, but we need him at the World Cup playing there. So he's Bowden Barrett when Bowden Barrett was at the Hurricanes loving rugby. I honestly think if Bowden went back to the Hurricanes tomorrow you'd see a totally different and Barrett. That Blues back line just isn't working. And that was my next point. With Leon McDonald, if he's the backs coach with the All Blacks, I'm a little bit worried because I like what the Chiefs are doing. I like Tony Brown's think outside the square. Rico at centre, like, it just does my head on. Honest truth.
2: Right Dino, great to hear from you um, and your friend in the background absolutely fantastic mate Um, I I, I agree with you Um, I I, I just want to see these players play at such a high level um, for a number of reasons, for their own individual um, positions in the squads uh, to convince everyone that uh, they're nearing the peak of their powers with an international season coming up and then of course a World Cup towards the end of the year Um, and for the standard of rugby itself and for the spectacle itself, when the best players are playing their best rugby, it's a great game. It's a fantastic game. It takes uh, all the other whinging and moaning from people like myself, um, and even um, Wayne Smith. Uh, it seems uh, out of play. That is the thing, uh, because the skills of the players are the things that people focus on, and the match itself. That's what this needs. This weekend, we've had a couple of. We had a good weekend last weekend uh, with some very very good rugby couple of surprise results. Uh, let's go again. Let's go again, fellas. Oh, all, uh, nice to see also uh, an interesting headline this morning about Artis over there. He's due to have to take a rest shortly uh, because of uh, the all-black call-up. Uh, but an interesting comment uh, because of uh, obviously the rationing of, of players, but uh, there's an interesting comment that he made to a journalist yesterday, which I thought was uh, telling, because uh, he went to... Uh, practice uh, they're playing Moana Pacifica this weekend there's a headline to say the jersey deserves a better performance this week against Moana Pacifica a journalist uh, was I guess surmising that uh, Artie might be in the side even though it would be a good game for him to have a rest he said well all blacks um, in their weeks off are not supposed to go anywhere near uh, their super sides a week off means a week off he said so one plus one equals two you work it out Good stuff, Artie. 9.44.
0: Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts, and service needs to
1: help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when to hold up, know when to fold up, multi. know when to walk
4: away,
5: Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today.
2: Well, believe it or not, we got another one home. So, Monday, Tuesday this week, uh, Miami Heat did beat the New York Knicks. uh, Very good performance. Lakers, unbelievable last quarter to roll over the top of the Golden State. Uh, and the Yankees beat the Oakland A's as we suspected that they would because the Oakland A's are pretty average. So today we'll go for three in a row. The Celtics to beat the 76ers. That's at 31, so it's relatively short. When they're that short, normally they come home. I've taken a real punt with my punt here, and the Phoenix Suns use the Nuggets. The Nuggets are fairly warm favourites here, but they've given the Suns a 6.5-point start. I like that. I think it'll go very close. Uh, undoubted quality of the Phoenix Suns with Kevin Durant there. Devin Booker uh, Chris Paul is back. I think that's massive for the Suns to get that uh, trio working together. So I think they are a chance to stay close. So I'll take the six and a half at a dollar ninety. Uh, and then tomorrow morning in the big uh, clash, um, that is between AC Milan and uh, Inter Milan, uh, that will be a draw. I'm um, for forecasting just like this morning, um, Manchester United uh, getting out of it uh, quite nicely um in the end uh, uh, sorry manchester city with a uh, one all draw so they get to take that home uh, so that multi is a dollar 31 into a dollar 90 into three dollars seven dollars forty six seven dollars forty six a um, couple of little texts have come in uh, richie says uh Arty and jason holland should just ignore the all black stand down requirement other teams haven't been abiding by it uh, what Fozzy going to, uh, What is Fozzie going to do? Not pick Artie for the All Blacks? Not likely. And it won't affect Artie's career going forward. He's off to Japan. It's an interesting point you make. And um, I'm not quite sure, though, that with Jason Holland's recent appointment that he can start doing that kind of thing. I mean, he, he really has to play ball, doesn't he? Because uh, when the time comes, he'll want people to play ball with him. So uh, it's a, it is an interesting one um and if if you look what's coming up if you do look at what's coming up and this is the natural game for ardy to miss out on but have we not seen the hurricanes upset by moana pacifica before when they took them slightly easily yes i think they did Uh, moana pacifica's first victory ever in super rugby um was against a slightly uh understrength um hurricanes team knocked them over and i remember the emotion The Brian Williams, the Michael Jones uh, and co. The emotion that night. Uh, Ken says, Smithy, think the Blues have uh, got into Dean from down south's head. You can't keep away from them. I fully expect the Blues to win and I will be there. Cheers, Ken. uh, Making the trip south. That's really cool. Um, Yeah, I, I think it's more Auckland that Dino doesn't like I think it's the Auckland tag the Auckland team thing because to, remember what he said you take a, a Bowden Barrett out of that environment put him back in the Hurricanes and he'd be a happy player again we see the best of him again so I think it's more the Auckland tag that gets to Dean uh, as opposed to uh, anything else uh, Chris said so basically Dean just hates Auckland players L-O-L. Um, I think he does when they're wearing Auckland jerseys put it that way yeah It is 9.53 here on SENZ, um, and uh, we'll be back shortly.
7: Gee, we've got a lineup at SCNZ that would terrify
0: any NRL defence Izzy, Kempi, Kirst, Beaver, Staffy, Clado, Smithy Nope, no thank you Brand are experts in agriculture Covering your
1: equipment, parts and service needs To help you succeed in your field Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ
2: Right, we had a text in to say Can you tell us the
3: Bulldog team? Yes we can, Logan Yes, uh, fullback Hayes Purim, uh, Jacob Carraz and jo- Josh Adokar are your wings. Great to have Josh Adokar back The Fox. Jake Averillo and Paul Alamodi in the centres. Josh Reynolds, Matt Burden are the halfback hearings there. In the forwards, Max King, Reed Marnie looking forward to that matchup. Hooker there with Wade Egan. Tavita Pangai Jr, Corey Waddell, Jacob Preston in the second row there in the 12 jersey. and He's been making a big name for himself this season. And Raymond Fertala, Marina is your 13 Smithy.
2: Okay, thank you very much. That's the starting 13 for the Bulldogs this weekend. All right, uh, we're going to talk uh, cricket after the break. Uh, Gary Stead back from Pakistan with um, uh, the Black Caps. What did he make of the tour? Did he uh, get out of it what he wanted from a coaching and selecting point of view? Uh, Has he got another selector? I think Gavin Larson has taken up his role, so uh, I'm not quite sure whether he's got another selector. The Trent Bolt issue, talking positively in an article this morning, the possibility of Trent Bolt back. The Kane Williamson spot. What about uh, Devon Conway? Brilliant form at the moment in the IPL. Where does he put to, to put him? Does he put him all eggs in one basket at the top of the order? Does he pull him back without the insurance of Kane Williamson being in the side? Lots and lots of things to talk about. The head coach, uh, the Black Caps, Gary with as we uh, come up to the next hour, which also includes a panel, and we'll also have. Um, uh, another opportunity for you to text through as well on the text machine double eight double three in fact keep them coming in particularly on what you hear from Gary Steed.
1: To behind the mic nothing gets past Smithy this is mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ
2: righty it's uh, been an interesting time for the Black I've uh, been in Pakistan, it seems uh, like forever. It might have been to felt like that to some of them that have been there the whole time. Although Pakistan these days, uh, I understand, is uh, a lot easier to negotiate than it used to be. Unless, of course, you're the uh, former Prime Minister, Imran Khan, who I believe was arrested in Islamabad earlier today. So uh, not the best of times for Imran Khan, who'd be a politician over there. Uh, you really do put your life on the line. Uh, so, uh, yes, um, it's been a, a really good time and a, a fact finding time, I would imagine, for the Black Caps and their hierarchy over uh, a number of uh, selection issues and a number of players that are in contention to the World Cup, which, of course, is now closing in on us very, very quickly. Not a lot of cricket for the Black Caps to be played. Uh, before now and then uh, On the line with uh, us is uh, Gary Stead, uh, the head coach uh, Gary's good enough, um, I'm sure still with a bit of jet lag etc uh, to give us uh, a few minutes of his time today Gary, good morning to you
8: Yeah, morning Smithy
2: uh, Pakistan Tour, can you sum it up from uh, 4-1 in the end Okay, it doesn't look good on paper but I think we go a little bit deeper than that Can you, can you sum it up uh, from your perspective in terms of what you wanted to see and what you did see?
8: Yeah, I, I think um, that 4-1, I guess, result in the end could have easily been 3-2 the other way. I, I think there was one game we, we were probably soundly beaten in the in the fourth international, but I think in all the other games, we, we actually played some really good cricket against a quality team as well, and I expect Pakistan they are going to be um, serious contenders when it comes to the World Cup a little bit further down the track. So when you consider that we had a number of guys in the IPL and and not available for the tour, then for us it it became an opportunity um, to grow depth and and look at some players who may not normally get a go. And and from that perspective, we were delighted, uh, I guess, with some of the results and and how some of the players played over there. And on the whole, I think, as a a cricket team, we we acquitted ourselves reasonably well.
2: Gary, you, uh, now that Gavin's uh, headed off overseas, Gavin Larson of course, uh, are you flying solo on this or have you co-opted anyone or is Gavin still having input?
8: Uh, no, not at the moment. Um, Gav was obviously involved in the selection of that last group but um, he's, he's gone to Warwickshire and at the moment we, yeah, we, we haven't got anyone that's on board at the moment.
2: Okay, right, so um, flying solo in that regard at the moment. Uh, As you mentioned, uh, pretty much a a full-strength Pakistan attack. What I liked uh, uh, from what I saw is the way, at times, you could handle their pace attack, um, which I think is one of the better ones in the world.
8: Yeah, that was one of the real pleasing things, and I think if you look at both teams, uh, pace bowling struggled a little bit, and and that's obviously um, due to the conditions over there. They're they're pretty flat and and batter-friendly wickets on the whole. Um, so that was encouraging the way we played. When you, when you consider Shaheen Afridi, Harris Ralph and Nassim Shah, they, they are real quality bowlers and um, I think the way that, that our guys did handle them and, and I guess set up platforms for our innings was, was pleasing in, in, all, in all five games actually.
2: Right, Gary, um, let's look at um, some really good news, uh, I perceive it to be anyway, and I imagine you've been uh, talking behind the scenes with Trent Bolt, he's talking very glowingly this morning in the media about his possibility of being part of this team again.
8: Yeah, well, um, there's still obviously a bit of water to go under the bridge and understanding where that sits, um, but but it is encouraging that I think Trent uh, missed this cricket and, and missed being part of the team as well, but... Ultimately he will still have to make some decisions around the, what he's available for and, and then we'll have to make decisions of how that fits with us as well. But, but you're right, any, any team with Trent Bolton in it I think looks stronger for New Zealand and, and that is an encouraging news.
2: Are, are there any concerns from your point of view Gary? I mean you know, you, you, it's a fact of the matter, we just have to let players go to the IPL for financial reasons etc. Uh, but a lot of them aren't getting a lot of cricket, does that concern you?
8: Yeah it does Um, I mean ideally you want the guys to go over there and get playing experience and I'm in contact with them all and and you still know that they're training hard and and working hard on their games but there's nothing like I think playing over there as well and it it was good at the start of the IPO. I think just about everyone got some experience and I guess you have to bide your time and 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 see how it goes over there but we haven't had a lot of players playing have we and and that's always I guess a concern when you want them to have match time and get that experience under their belt.
2: One player that has been playing and playing magnificently too is uh, Devon Conway which uh, raises a couple of uh, interesting points as to exactly where you perceive that you might be going to use them obviously uh, you want them to face a lot of deliveries but um, where at this point would you perceive him to be your best value?
8: Uh, I think still at the top of the order. Um, look, we, we tried Devin uh, with Ross Taylor leaving. We, we tried Devon at four for a while in the test game, and then we've ended up going back to him at the top of the order. Um, we have a lot of discussions with Devon around that and, and where he, he sees himself fitting best. But, I mean, he's a great team man and, and does everything he, he can. And, and I think his... His value at the top of the order has been shown across all three forms for us. And you want, as you say, you want your best players facing the majority of the balls, especially in white ball cricket. And he's certainly, I mean, up there with some of the best in the world, the way he's been playing.
2: So um, do we hold a candle for Kane? Um, Are are you planning to be without him, in all honesty? I mean, uh, we know what, uh, what kind of bloke he is and how professional he is and everything he does and he'll be working on his uh, recuperation just in the same way. Do do we hold a candle? Can we do that?
8: Well, we're still going to hold a candle, but uh, I think the reality says it's just um, a very light glow at the moment, Smithy. So, Look, I mean, uh, you never want to rule anyone out of Kane's quality and and calibre and experience that he brings to the team, so we will give him every opportunity to to be fit um, the hard thing for us is uh, i guess we're having to name the world cup squad at least a month in advance um are the icc mm-hmm. regulations around that so he definitely won't have played any cricket by then so uh it would it would have to be on a on a little bit of a whim that he would be right um but we will play that out it's just too early to know just yet
2: okay so that makes an interesting point um you tour england and I've got the dates in front of me, 8th of September, 15th of September in terms of one-day uh, international cricket, some T20s before that. Uh, I just wonder, Gary, uh, does that mean that team will have been finalised and named uh, before the England Tour? In other words, you haven't got very much cricket at all and to, to play.
8: Yeah, I think, I think that is right. Um, we're likely to have named the World Cup squad by then, um, so I think you can expect leading into that England series that, that we will know who will be going to the World Cup and the England squad is, is likely to be one that, that it's that it's close to our World Cup squad if not everyone that's there.
2: OK, right, That that's good to put the uh, the ink on that one. Right, uh, the number three spot then um, if the whim and the candle doesn't come through for us um, the number three spot, uh, very, very crucial of course because you, you look for that guy to bat for a long period of time in a 50-over game have you uh, got um, pretty positive ideas about that, or are we still guessing a wee bit?
8: Um, no, I mean we, we try we've tried a few different things just on the on the notion that Kane might not be there, and we gave Daryl Mitchell that opportunity um, in Pakistan and delighted the way that he went. I mean, scored nearly three hundred runs and in four innings over there, and with two hundreds. And and one of the things that I love about Daryl is every every sort of thing you put in front of him he he just has that ability to find a way and and he's hugely competitive and he's been incredible the last two years really for the black caps and and what he's done making every post a winner so i think he's a genuine uh chance and opportunity for us in that role
2: what kind of balance uh looking indian conditions slightly different from pakistan conditions i think it's fair to say even though they're very close neighbors as such, geographically, I just wonder the balance you would look for in this World Cup. Uh, would it be similar to the previous one in England?
8: Uh, yeah, m- maybe maybe an extra spin option um, and having that up your up your sleeve there. And uh, I guess the when you when you balance out your squad of fifteen, you, you generally generally have an eleven or twelve in mind, and then you're looking at three spots outside that that cover probably multiple um, positions for you in case of injury. So that's, that's what we're just working through at the moment. The Pakistan tour was great for us. It, it gave us some insight. It gave us, I guess, some first-hand knowledge of where guys are at. And now we need to sit down over the next couple of months, put our thinking caps together, just get the schedules and understand who we're playing and what places and, and what the teams are likely to look like given the, the past history of those grounds as well. Um, and that will help, I I think, finalise the 15 that we ultimately do take.
2: So if you, perhaps, uh, just say, for instance, you you use Mitchell in that role at three, and and he has been superb, there's no doubt about that. Give the guy a job, he just seems to do it. No problem, I don't have any problem with that. Uh, That means you might have to find someone in a closing-type role, Um, you know, almost a specialist batter to to be your closer. Uh, What are you looking at in, in that regard?
8: Well, again, I think it depends on the the all-rounders or the spinners that you have um, and, and their batting capability through the order. And I, I think one of the decisions you always have to make as a as a cricket coach and when you put your selections together is, are we going to go in slightly batting heavy or are we going to go in slightly bowling heavy? And the two have the, the different, I guess, reasons for doing it. If you go in slightly bowling heavy, you're planning on bowling them out for less. You don't have to score as many runs. So... If you go in the other way, um, then maybe you've got to find more runs as well. So we're certainly just considering all the options there. But look, I was was pleased in the in the development of guys like Mark Chapman recently. Uh, Mm. I think he's shown a real ability to flick the switch and and early on in his innings, which is nice. Then you you bat around people with the, I guess, who have been really solid for New Zealand over a number of years, like your Tom Lathams, who plays plays spin very well and. We we just need to uh, I guess work out who are going to be our rocks of the team and who are who are the people we're going to put around them that that show that little bit of extra flair. Glenn Phillips, another one that comes to mind, who, who's certainly shown in a few innings that he's played that he's capable of taking any team down in the world.
2: And the other issue, which uh, I think it's uh, raised its head and stuff this morning, actually, uh, the captaincy side of it. Obviously, um, with Tom, you've got the the wicket keeping side of it is proven he can handle that role. The captaincy has been a uh, pretty easy fit for him as well, it seems. And then you throw your Tim Southey into the mix, I guess. So have you, have you settled on, on your leadership side of things? I suppose that must yeah. be close.
8: Yeah, well again, it depends on Kane a little bit, because if Kane's right, he'll he'll be the captain. So that that's why I'm a little bit reluctant to uh, force the hand too much on that right from the start but it, as you say we've got two guys who have had a lot of experience captaining New Zealand and, and look, w- whichever way we went and, and hopefully it's Kane in the end anyway then, then we'll make that decision at the time
2: And uh, just finally uh, the spin bowling thing seems to be part of every question um, every question line that you get I would imagine Are you confident you have the right mix, the right balance to choose from to finalise?
8: Yeah, I'm confident. Uh, look, I, I think the biggest thing for us when we go through and plan um, all positions, but, in, but with spinners as well, is if we were to lose one of those players, and, and it's, uh, I guess, an important cog of your, your team, do you have replacements that can come in? And that is what one of the things we've sort of tried to negotiate through in the, in the last few months, and especially in Pakistan, is just making sure that we've tested a, a few people that so if you lose a, a major player, then 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 can I guess a rookie or one of these people that has less experience come in and do a role? And and look, I'm confident in most of the positions at the moment that we that we do have adequate cover, and and that's encouraging from a depth depth perspective from New Zealand cricket's point of view.
2: Uh, Chris has texted in. Um, I think he's uh, one of your um, Canterbury friends, actually. Um, uh, just said is the door closed base? door closed basically on, on uh, Guppy uh, Guppy comes up a wee bit on the, as you can well imagine uh, he's very popular around New Zealand cricket circles and sporting circles uh, is the door closed on him I, I guess Chris is saying?
8: I, I don't think the door's closed on anyone and, and uh, again we need to sit down and um, evaluate what we've seen in the last six months or so and, and where we're at um, look it's it's has been a, a, a magnificent serve for New Zealand over a number of years, we, we've got other guys that are stepping up I, I guess now and have had opportunities in the position that he, he's held for so long and um, I guess at some stage uh, it will come to, to come to the end for Gup and come to, come to the end for everyone but that's not for me to say mm. right now if that's, that's now or not.
2: Okay and uh, just finally one last text in from uh, Whanganui, Clarkson Josh Clarkson, um, is he at all on the radar?
8: I'm not sure he's on the radar for this World Cup, but we've certainly been noticing really um, positively how Josh has gone. Um, we've got other New Zealand A commitments and that that are coming up in in the August-September period. And, and look, I, I'm, there's still selection to be done around that, but I'm sure Josh is, is the guy that will come up certainly with white ball discussions in, in that frame.
2: Good on you, Gary. Uh, absolutely fantastic. Love your honesty and uh, the fact that you're available to us as well. Um, have a, a good little break there as you begin on earnest again I'm sure uh, towards that World Cup and that Tour of England thanks for your time mate as always, appreciate thanks,
8: it thanks buddy, cheers
2: Cheers. Uh, 10.18 here on SCNZ well then, there you go, there's plenty of uh, texting subjects there for you to come in on um, and uh, very very interesting um, some of the things that Gary Stead here had to say, still up in the air still holding a bit of a candle for Kane slight glimmer of hope there Um Positive, not a hundred percent positive about Trent Bolt. Um, obviously, uh, we'd all like him, but uh, obviously there's a little spanner or two there um, somewhere in the works that uh, prevented Gary instead saying, "Yep, it's a lay down mazia." So, mm, what are the things that uh, you got from that uh, interview? We'd love to hear uh, from you on double eight double three. In the meantime, we shall have a panel coming up with Jamie Wall and Brad Lewis
0: are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to
1: help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel.
2: Rightio, this uh, morning with uh, Jamie Wall and Brad Lewis. Um, And Jamie, let's uh, begin with you Uh, We all remember what happened last time The Hurricanes took it easy against uh, Moana Pacifica And uh, rested a few players Uh, What do you think they should do with Artie Savia this weekend uh, Bearing in mind uh, he's due a breather
9: Yeah, good morning guys Uh, I think they should play him I don't think Artie is the sort of player That really benefits from taking a week off I don't think he, he thinks that either and uh, you're right, the last time the Hurricanes uh, played on a specific last year with an understrength team, um, they got tipped up, and they haven't been in as good enough form as the last, the actual last time they played them, uh, which they won quite comfortably, admittedly. Uh, and But they haven't been showing that form lately, and it's getting to a point now where they actually kind of need to start winning, um, winning the rest of the games if they want to get a home playoff, because that while the Chiefs are clearly going to finish top. Now, the Brumbies are looking pretty good to finish in second. I think that's flown under a few people's radars. Uh, but that 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 race for the next two spots that'll give you a home quarter um, quarterfinal um, is really heating up. And so, yeah, I think the Hurricanes really need to take this game seriously um, and that they need their full street team um, out on the park. They are playing at home as well. It's going to be a tough game um, for Moana, obviously, again, but given what happened to the Hurricanes last weekend in Fiji, uh, that was a game that they, and this one, are games that they really can't afford to lose. So they can't be taking any chances.
2: Brad Lewis, uh, good morning to you. (coughs) Long day for you. Um, And uh, not very often the people in this country um, openly disagree with Wayne Smith's views on rugby, but uh, here we have Joe Moody and Tom Donnelly coming out and saying, you are kidding about the the line out more, the drive. It's a mo- it's a thing of beauty. Leave it alone.
10: Yeah, how good were Joe Moody's comments yesterday? Uh, just perfect. Um, even dropping in a, a an S bomb and, um, but he was also very nice to Smithy while slamming him at the same time, uh, which I found interesting. Uh, yeah, look, um, Wayne Smith's a professor for a reason, Smithy. But I think like. I don't I don't necessarily agree with this. I know Beeb said yesterday on our show that um as a first five eight he said there's nothing better than watching your dominant forward pack rolling all over the line so you don't have to do any work. And we all know that with Beeb, didn't have to do any work, he was at his best. So uh you can sort of see when um you can you can sort of see where Waysmith's coming from because that women's world cup final what England scored, Jamie will know this. I think four tries from rolling malls. I think there were five rolling mall tries in the game itself. So yeah, look uh why that's not the most well, that's not the most attractive rugby at some point it's part of the game smithy it's like uh it's like um, getting run out without facing a ball right so it's just, it's it's that's it's that sort of it's part of the game it's been part of the game since uh since, since William webb picked the ball up and ran with it
2: mm it is actually. Um, yeah, very interesting. Uh, you're in for an interesting afternoon when uh, Beaver turns up to work. I can promise you that. Uh, right, uh, let's uh, look at uh, the Blues and the Crusaders as a matchup, Jamie, this weekend, which is effectively a matchup between Scott Robertson and uh, one of his prime assistants. It is,
9: it is, and it's going to be a very interesting one, as it always is when these two teams play each other lately, and. Again, it goes back to uh, that aforementioned stipulation which I talked about before, which is who's going to finish third or, or fourth or going to lock in a quarter-final spot, which for these two teams is looking pretty important um, because they are playing their best footy at home. Um, if you remember the last time the Blues went down to Christchurch, they pulled off a very memorable win down there. Um, their form of late is, you know, they've won, I think they've won their last four, uh, but they looked pretty shaky against Moana um, last Saturday night. So you can kind of look at that two ways. You can look at it, well, maybe their form's slipping off, or maybe that, that's the game where they, they just kind of dropped off like, and that they're going to bounce back with a good performance this weekend. I still really don't know what to make of the Crusaders this year. Like, as soon as they kind of start to get on the right course, they'll, they kind of just do something very unCrusader crusader like and, and trip up. So I think this is going to be really interesting because it's two teams that are in a very similar kind of um, mindset at the moment, where they have kind of got something to prove um, here. And of course, there are a lot of all-black matchups across the field as well. So this is the big one for the weekend. This is the one that um, the one game that Super Rugby is, is is tossing up this weekend that is a, is a real must-watch. And you know, just to the point, of, I just want to chime in on what um, what, what you asked Brad before. I think that we can kind of take what Wayne Smith said with a bit of a grain of salt there. Like obviously, he's a highly respected guy and everything, but this is nothing new for him. He clearly just doesn't like um, line-out drives, and that's fine. Um, he can do this. But the, I, I just can't believe that every time he says this, it becomes a massive, massive headline. It's like, how many more... T- every, in six months' time, he's going to do it again. So there you go.
2: OK, it uh, is coming up to 10.30 here on SENZ. We shall uh, take a, a quick break. Uh, we've got uh, Jamie Wall and Brad Lewis with us this morning. Uh, Araha will give us some news. Then we come back. We'll look at uh, another couple of matchups there. Uh, maybe we have to touch on uh, the Warriors and what's been going on. Surely too. Uh, it is uh, yeah. As I say, time for news.
0: Big talk, big opinions. The panel.
10: Talk, talk,
2: Oh, it's a beautiful thing. A man's only been at work a couple of weeks, and we understand there's uh, an open bar tab for the afternoon uh, at the boozer down the road, the Paddington, um, on your behalf, Brad Lewis. And then after that, of course, you'll go and settle it just after seven o'clock tonight. Happy birthday, sir. Uh,
10: thank you very much, Smithy, Appreciate that. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think I'm I'm trying to wrangle out of the show at six o'clock tonight. So we'll see how our boss Reuben feels about that. So. We'll see.
2: <laughs> Oh, surely he's going to buy you a cake at least anyway, mate, uh, to go around. So, um, what can we ask what number this is today? Uh, there's,
10: there's a four in it. I'll give you that much. Four.
2: 34. That's pretty good. You're getting on a bit, mate. 34. Oh, right, OK. Hey, there, Let's There you sit. go,
10: mate.
2: Thank you. <laughs> there you go. OK. Um, just uh, staying on the, the Super Rugby theme for a minute or two. Uh, there is a chance, Brad Lewis, there is a chance that the the Highlanders aren't careful, they miss the, might miss the playoffs this year. Uh, on the basis of everyone saying, what a ridiculous competition this is, you've got 12 teams or so, and eight teams make the playoffs, one of them could be the Drua.
10: Yeah, I think, and, and the Drua actually, with that win... Uh, and they've got a decent run home as well. Um, I think the Force are in there, and a couple of the other Australian teams that, that, that they could certainly beat. Um, I mean, look, let's look let's look at the math. So we know that four New Zealand teams are going to make it. We know the Brumbies are going to make it. So that leaves uh, that leaves three spots. So it's just a matter of, of what goes into three. I think there's probably five They're trying to compete for that spot. You're right. The Highlanders they need to get their A into G. I mean, they started the season horrifically with. Literally the worst draw in the history of Super Rugby, which didn't help. Uh, they've, they've played a lot better in recent times. I don't think they're actually that bad last weekend. The Chiefs are just really, really good, Smithy. So, look, they um, they need, they got a bit of work to do, uh, but I, I think with a guy like Aaron Smith there, hopefully they'll they'll get the job done against the teams that we believe they should beat. Right.
2: What are you looking at uh, for the Highlanders this weekend, Jamie? To be perfectly honest, I mean. They've got a pretty um, unenviable trip, really, to Canberra.
9: Well, they haven't just got an unenviable um, trip to Canberra. They've got an unenviable run home, really. And uh, at the moment, I can't see them making the playoffs, which would be quite, um, quite the turn-up for the predictions that everyone kind of presumed that the five um, traditional New Zealand teams would, would make that quite easily. Uh, I I'm just been really disappointed um, with the Highlanders. They're both kind of off the field. They've and and it's starting to affect um, the way that their uh, their few All Blacks um, like what their what their plans are going to be for the rest of the year. Because at the moment, I can't see Frizzell in the starting All Black in the in the top twenty three. I can't see Whakataba in it. and there's going to be every week. There's more and more questions about Aaron Smith. Uh, and that's unlikable, really, considering how he would have been one of the first guys he'd lock in. But at the moment, you look at uh, the way Damien McKenzie's going at the Chiefs, and, and if they pick him at first five, then you're probably going to. That's a really good case for Brad Weber to be getting in at halfback, uh, starting at halfback for the lakes as well. So just their form is is, is really affecting uh, the pace of some of those guys as well. I can't see the Amber, um, I think the Brumbies are a lot better. Uh, team than a lot of people in New Zealand um, give them credit for, simply because we haven't been paying enough attention um, to the Australian side of the competition. Um, they're very tough to beat at home. Um, they're actually really good to watch as well. And uh, the way I see it, they're going to keep winning and they're going to end up in second on the table and have a pretty good shout of, of going pretty deep in the playoffs. So, um, yeah, I think that the, the the Highlanders once again are just hamstrung by the fact that they haven't haven't recruited well um, they haven't built enough of a system down there to entice uh, decent young players, and they're once again relying on the one thing that they, they, they've always kind of been about, which is just getting the offcuts from all the other teams.
2: Um, Jamie, you've been a great defender of Wellington Rugby for a long period of time, a great analyst. I imagine you never, ever thought you'd have to defend Wellington Rugby against Bart Simpson.
8: Ooh, New Zealand Rugby.
3: Yeah, whatever rugby is, Wellington sucks at it.
9: Well, I got one, I got one message. I got one message for Bart. Um, I hope, you, I hope your dad Homer strangles you like he always does. Um, <laughs> and he strangles you good because you clearly haven't been watching the NPC or the Ripper Philly Shield. Um, that's, that's disgraceful comments from Bart. I'm hoping to see some sort of formal um, acknowledgement and uh, some sort of strong statement from Mark Robinson um, sometime today. I put a request in with NZ Rugby over this. Um, They're working on it as we speak. So um, this isn't the end of it, I can tell you that much. Um, There'll be some sort of apology from Bart, much like when he came to come down to Australia back in the late 1990s. Love it. I
2: I love the reply. Very, very good. Uh, I mean, maybe um, on the... uh that would be an interesting uh, get if you could, uh, on the run home tonight, Brad Lewis, on your birthday, you could perhaps get Bart Simpson on there. That would be good.
10: Yeah, um, I mean, like, all I can do is put a request. And what I did like was how good Rotorua are at rugby. They were, uh, weren't they favourites for the game they were playing in? So, uh, you know, right on Simpson.
2: Okay, right. Let's uh, stay on the subject of apologies and putting your foot in it, uh, so to speak. Um, Mr. Paris, Jason Paris from uh, One New Zealand, of course. Uh, The ex-Vodafone is uh, under the hammer. Uh, Some people say rightly so. Uh, A lot of people that are in communication with this uh, station, as you well know, uh, Brad Lewis, uh, are saying it's about time someone took these guys on. So what are you thinking about this? And and what do you think the ramifications might be? Has it uh, it, uh, got the the possibility of uh, dying a pretty quick death or not?
10: Well, uh, I think the word that's going to get Mr. Paris in trouble is the word cheat, regardless of the apology or what have you. And certainly listening to, as you you guys played on your show yesterday, the lawyer that Brandy and Bossy had on yesterday morning um, suggested that as well. Uh, Look, I tweeted in anger after the game, Smitty, but I didn't use the word tweet. I think I said something on the lines of an officiating abomination. With that game and you know that's where you don't cross the line of defamation that was just my opinion but I did not label any of the officials cheats and I think that's where, where uh, Paris has got himself in trouble right and you can't run back a social media comment uh, I think a lot of people agree with, um, with, with the one CEO on, on what, what he had to say I certainly think um, as we as you've talked about some of the, the that un- unconscious biases there and yesterday when you're talking about that sixty forty. That, that's that's a bias. That's that's a big difference when 60-40 is going to the to the better team over the perceived weaker team. Uh, and certainly when it's Australia New Zealand, we've always had that feeling. And I know talking to breakers players, they've always felt, in next players feel the same thing. Maybe it's just a perception that we've got. I don't know. But I, I think uh, I think there's going to be more to this. And uh, I think if the referee decides to take legal action, I can't I can't see him not winning because I think there's a precedent when Bill Harrigan sued Alan Jones for a radio comment he made several years ago where he labelled Bill Harrigan a cheat um, against uh, New South Wales, our oh, Brisbane teams, I think about it. So but we'll, see, we'll see how this plays out, but I think there could be, uh, there could be more to play out.
2: Yeah, it be interesting, Jamie. Uh, there's all sorts of things. Uh, in fact, I got a, a text in earlier um, from uh, a guy saying, look, uh, they can't touch him. Uh, from uh, because that it's no longer Vodafone. They don't do business as Vodafone anymore in Australia. It's basically New Zealand. As such, they can't uh, really touch them in, in in terms of the Telstra thing. They'd be looking at it, though. I would think.
9: Oh uh, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't. I'm not going to pretend I know anything about um, uh, that, that that side of things in terms of legal action and, and what that arrangement is with Telstra and and, and Vodafone and whatever. Um, one thing I will say, though, that it's it's great for people who write about sport. Um, it's great for people who run radio stations uh, that rely on talkback and people texting in. Um, so it's been a good week. Um, this, this whole thing. So thanks, Jason Paris, if you're listening. Um, but in, in saying that, though, I do kind of agree with Brad that there is a line that you can draw. You can call referee crap. You can you can you can say that they've had a terrible game. Like you can say that they're blind and everything. Um, but you kind of can't really say they're a cheat because that implies that they're doing they're doing something on purpose instead of just being just being useless. I don't believe that's the case. I think that. The NRL, like all sporting competitions, the officials just are under the same pressure as they are in anything else. It's the same thing. Why? It's the same reason why in basketball you play a series uh, with the game split between both home courts because you get a home ground advantage. The crowd plays into uh, the way that um, the way that that sports get officiated. And Smithy, being a cricketer, uh, you you know that more better than anyone. Um, and you know, I think that the Warriors are just always up against it, um, not just um, not just on the field, but off it as well. Given where New Zealand is, given the economic situation, given the fact that it's hard to entice players over to come and play for the Warriors, and that's just the way that it is. And I think that all of the frustrations around um, those situations uh, get borne out. By targeting um, referees, because you can, you have an exact uh, sort of case right in front of you by saying, well, that that should be a penalty, or, 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 or that shouldn't be a penalty if it, if it wasn't wasn't the worries, you know. And I think that that's just what this what this really is is just an encapsulation of the passion that people feel around um, the team. And I think that it's been it's it's actually quite good to see there is a positive out of this. And I think that Jason Paris probably shouldn't have said what he said. But at the same time, um, it, 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 it's probably going to be a net positive for the Warriors going forward in, in terms of like the passion that it's stirred up.
2: Uh, well, certainly, they've got um, four of the best apparently officiating their game this weekend. So all eyes will be on the decision-making in that. Uh, thanks, guys. Enjoyable panel. Uh, have a terrific rest of your birthday, Brad Lewis uh, and uh, Jamie Wall. It's, uh, it's been good uh, to chat to you this morning. Hopefully have uh, another panel around uh, about the same time tomorrow or if not then maybe Friday. Uh, it is uh, coming up to uh, 1042 in fact it is here on SCNZ. Music. Well, we don't uh, very often play this. Uh, when we do, it means that uh, Logan Swinkles says something of substance for us.
3: Go ahead, sir. I do. Long-serving New Zealand Cricket Chief Executive David White will step down from the role in August. This has just been confirmed by New Zealand Cricket. Mr White uh, was appointed to the CEO position way back in February 2012. Uh, he notified the board of his decision this week and advised staff and the white at New Zealand Cricket Network this morning, he's just the fourth chief executive after Chris Doig, Martin Snedden, and Justin Vaughan to lead NZC since the adoption of the Hood Report. Hood Report, sorry, recommendations in 1995. White said it was the right time to pass the leadership baton on to a fresh set of hands.
2: Wow, uh, that has uh, come out of the blue. I didn't see that coming. Um, I had. Uh, Thought perhaps uh, it wouldn't be too far away, but I thought he'd perhaps stay on to the end of the World Cup um, and uh, be part of that. But uh, that is interesting. So, August, uh, he steps aside and finishes in August, uh, which means they'll be frantically looking. Uh, it's not too far away. What are we uh, coming up to uh, the middle of May? So, not too far away. They'll be uh, looking, the board will be looking at uh, appointments for that. David White, very, very interesting. That has uh, made some interesting calls. His very first uh, drama he had to deal with uh, was the fallout from the Ross Taylor-Brendan McCullum handover of captaincy, I think well, if it's fair to, call, fair to say that. Um, he has uh, also been involved in a lot of other deals. You would be as a CEO over such a long period of time. The latest one, perhaps, um, uh, which has affected the, the country and we get the most feedback on. Uh, is of course the, the television deal uh, to take it away from uh, Sky and give it to Spark effectively now it's going to end up on TVNZ which I, I suppose is a, a CEO's dream for people, If as long as the, the paycheck's good enough uh, to watch, uh, able to watch his sport on free to wear television by accident more than anything else I think it's fair to say uh, so that is big news, we'll uh, work further on that um, and we take time to just um, get used to it it is 10.45 now. Um, no more breaking news. Let's get to an ad break. That's pretty big.
0: Kiwi for sport. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts, and service needs to help you succeed in your
1: field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SNZ.
2: Right, uh, a few texts to read out. Uh, Sean says, uh, Smitty, the refs should all retire and go on a tear and sue a lot of people on social media. They mm, won't retire, um, but uh, sewing is very much um, um, on the agenda still, and uh, Mark confirms that by saying that he has heard uh, on another station that the Referees Association are taking him to court, which is uh, very interesting. Uh, hey, Smithy, says John, ah, huge news. David White is stepping down as CEO of New Zealand Cricket. What's your thoughts? Personally, I think he's done a lot of damage in the last three years, uh, led very poorly. I'm quite happy to be honest. Well, John, um, you know, that's what you get uh, when you're in a CEO role. You're going to polarise opinion from time to time. Uh, I, think the most, um, I think the most damaging thing in the last three years has been the television side of things. Um, you know, uh, it's, it's just not gone down with, well with a lot of people. Uh, and particularly on the basis that uh, the company that he put his faith in um, have uh, let him down halfway through. Um, so uh, as I said uh, in the end uh, TVNZ will pick up uh, the reins there and they'll do it pretty well and uh, it'll be um, on a mixture of stations as uh, as such uh, but it'll be free to air and I guess that'll make a lot of people very, very happy indeed. Uh, Chris has said, uh, how about the starting 11? Tom Blundell, Devin Conway, Daryl Mitchell, Glenn Phillips, Tom Latham, Tom Latham, Michael Bracewell... Mitch Santner, Tim Southy, East Southey, Lockie Ferguson, Trent Bolt, don't mind it. That gives you Southey Saudi, uh, Saudi. and Santner as your spinners with a possibility of a bit of brace will as well, uh, although they will be targeted. So there's a good mix there. Bolt, yes. Ferguson, uh, yes. Uh, Southey, definitely. And then you look at uh, the top of the order. Uh, Blundell uh, to keep as well. Better keeper than Latham, no, no doubt about that. Uh, to about at 5 as your link man into your tail and your all-rounders yeah that's a good mix don't mind it at all Chris, well done don't mind that one at all, it's
0: 10.52 SCNZ it's Kiwi for sport call anytime 0800 150 811 Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your
1: equipment, parts, and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ.
2: Right, let's get across to uh, the TAB, represented today, of course, by Paul Mwati, very busy man. Um, Paul and a lot of interest in the NBA, which continues today with an interesting doubleheader Celtics 76's Suns Nuggets.
11: Yeah, and the money uh, so far has been with the two favourites uh, today. The Celtics, who are $1.29 and eight-point favourites. They've been very, very well backed by punters um, to take a, what this would be a 3-2 lead if they uh, pick up a win today. And the Nuggets in a similar position. They're thirty favourites against the Phoenix Suns, who are $3. They're six-and-a-half-point favourites. Yeah, and there's quite a bit of money for the Nuggets as well. So if that trend is anything to go by, uh, the Celtics and the Nuggets will have a three-two lead after their games, respective games today. I know you like your golf, uh, Smitty. I'm just having a look uh, at the Byron Nelson Championship, uh, the outright winner market. There, Scotty Scheffler, a very, very hot favourite at four dollars and thirty-three to win the Byron Nelson Championship. Tyrell Hatton's at Thirteen and Jason Day and Tom Kim both at seventeen. Of course, we're only uh, look just over ten days away from the PGA Championship, the second major of the season. And John Rahm is favourite there at eight dollars. Scotty Scheffler's at nine. Rory McIlroy at ten. Uh, but there's been a wee bit of money around Brooks Kepka. He's at twenty one dollars. Of course, uh, he held the uh, what was it the um, uh, the lead after three rounds at the Masters. He's 21. Mm. They're getting back on him, Smithy. Brooks kept her at 21 in the uh, PGA Championship, which is at Oak Hill Country Club this year in Rochester, New York.
2: Paul Mawadi, as always, doing sterling stuff for us here on SENZ. Um, interesting uh, markets there. G.S. Short. Scotty Scheffler. 72 uh, hole tournament, and they've got him there at $4.33. Uh, next to at, uh, I must have a look at the field there. Must be a few players not available. Sometimes they are. Uh, going into a uh, major they like to have the week off just to focus on practice and other aspects but gee look at the field Scotty Scheffler it's incredibly short 72 holes out right uh, what do we got next well we've got one of the champion coaches in New Zealand that's who we've got uh, unbeaten Brent Matahari from the Otago Nuggets fantastic record they're fashioning in defense of their title he's coming up after the news here
0: Brand are experts in agriculture
1: Covering your equipment, parts and service needs To help you succeed in your field From behind the stumps to behind the mic Nothing gets past Smithy This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ
2: Well we here in the SENZ office And surrounding outlets Are buzzing over the recent success of the Otago Nuggets Loved it last year when they won the title Five weeks into the sales NBL season and they're the only undefeated team. They're 6-0 uh, coming off the back of two impressive road wins in Auckland. That included a uh, come-from-behind victory over the Tuatara and a thrilling grand final rematch, uh, I think it was fair to say. Uh, and also, uh, they knocked over the Franklin Bulls, quite convincingly, 91-72. to That's a good visit up north. Uh, joining us now uh, on the line is the head coach, uh, Brett Matahari, who always seems to be in a good mood these days. Good morning to you, Brett.
12: Oh, Kia ora, Smithy. Yeah, I'm in a pretty good mood, and why wouldn't you be after that kind of uh, wee shopping trip to Auckland?
2: I was going to say, uh, I, I wouldn't have been surprised if you'd have uh, popped down to Hamilton and had a beer with Clayton McMillan. you guys know how to coach a sports team?
12: Yeah, no, uh, those Chiefs are doing pretty well. I think they were in Dunedin at the same time, so it um, might have been um, yeah, a missed opportunity for both of us to catch up. But, yeah, obviously, um, yeah, really happy with the, the boys' efforts in the weekend and um, to go up to Auckland and get back-to-back wins is, um, is huge.
2: Sometimes the hardest thing to do, to do is to defend a crown because you are the team that everyone has sought after. What do you feel if you had to look at in an overall picture before we break it down into what would you think is the, the key this year?
12: I just think the guys um, have a bit of belief about themselves. Obviously, you know, last year we probably surprised ourselves as much as everybody else. Um, you know, taking our chance up there in, in Auckland in the finals, and then for us basically to have a little bit of belief and put a whole lot of work in over the summer um, to come out and and I guess. To be doing enough to get wins, um, I can't say that we have been you know, playing well through 40 minutes of basketball game, but um, we're doing, you know, enough. Like we shot 32% in our first game, but managed to come away with a win. Um, you know, we're we're, we're forcing a team shot 58% against us, and we still managed to come away with a win. So we're doing we're doing things well, but it's things well from effort. And I think um, you know, when you've got men who are willing to put the effort in, um, you know, amazing things can happen.
2: One of the big tests came at three-quarter time last week, Tuatara on their home patch, um, managing to turn that round in the fourth quarter. Tell us about that.
12: Yeah, I think uh, for us it was about you know trying to stem the tide a little bit. Um, Atara got away, we're on, I think halfway through the second quarter, they were looking like they were going to score 140 points against us. So, uh, yeah, trying to stem the tide, um, lock up a little bit on defence and then um, get some get something going on offense because obviously if you don't score on offense um the team you know are rebounding the basketball and coming at you pretty quickly so uh the Tuatara are pretty good at that and you know as most teams are uh you've got to make sure that you have you know get back and get your defense set and that's really hard to do after a missed shot so um you know when you see that momentum shift um you've got to take advantage of it and uh, michael harris and you know todd withers did a great job and knocking down some perimeter shots and Sam Timmins chimed in there for one that I closed my eyes when it went up, um, but it went in. So uh, you know, it's, it's it's that it's that kind of um, it's that kind of momentum you need in a basketball game or any sport, and um, we seem to ride it right at the right time.
2: Todd Withers is uh, an interesting um, having an interesting season for you, renowned uh, for his defensive ability. But as you say, uh, perimeter shots dropped six three pointers at the weekend just to display to everyone that uh, he's got some great all-round skills.
12: Yeah, I mean, um, he certainly does. Like, he, he was touted a, as a player that can, you know, shoot the three. And um, in the G League, he went over there and he had to play the five spot with a big man and um, came up against some big players and was knocking down threes over there as well. So he's another player that's um, basically put the time and the effort into working on his game. And it um, seems the harder he works, the better he gets at the moment. So, um, you yeah, know, we, we keep on urging him to get here and um, get shots up. So he, he's doing that, and it's uh, it's working out well for us.
2: Right, uh, you haven't had Sam, uh, Big Sam Timmins, for the whole season, but he was impressive against the Bulls in the, the second match up there uh, North, picking up eighteen points, fourteen rebounds. Um, uh, after his time with the Breakers, have you noticed uh, a step up in his game this season?
12: Yeah, Sam's got a little bit to prove to himself, as long you know, as well as the, um, I guess the public that. You know, potentially he could have been utilised with the breakers a little bit more, um, you know, and certainly contributed there. But, you know, that I guess that ship's passed now, and so he's focused on the now uh, and com- contributing for us. So, you know, he's doing a great job, and, you know, when he has a distinct advantage, he's quite capable of um, utilising that advantage as he did against the Bulls. And I think he got to display, you know, his array of talents, the, his ability to see the floor and make passes. I think he came up with five assists in that game. Um not too bad when you can pass to a guy that can pretty much jump over the backboard. Uh, so he's got some, some decent, um, a decent target here with Todd. But, you know, it's really, um, he's showing his wares and he's really you know, getting comfortable um, with what he's doing and he keeps on working hard in the gym and um, working on his skill. So, you know, hopefully bigger things come for him as well.
2: You've uh, imported well the last couple of years um, and this year with uh, the combo of uh, Withers, McLaughlin and Harris, uh, they seem to have uh, fit the team environment beautifully down there.
12: Yeah, I mean they're, they're great humans, um, and that's awesome to have people that you know you want to go to work with and and work hard, and they're certainly guys that want to work hard and improve their game as well and get to that next level or you know carry on their their pathway. And so you know it's awesome to have them here in our group. Um, such great leaders, um, without having to say anything. You know they they're in here and working hard, and the guys really. Appreciate their their time, and um, you know they're, they're enjoyable people to be around. So um, you know everybody's got their interesting sides, and you know we, you learn more and more about each other the more time we spend. And yeah, finding that they're you know they're, they're awesome people. So uh, um, it's great to have them here and, and working with us and, as part of our unit.
2: So you go from two games uh, on the road in Auckland, very very tough up there. Uh, you have uh, one game this week and that's at home against the Wellington Saints who uh, are coming off a one ten ninety eight 98 win against uh, Southland as well um, what have you uh, been doing your homework on there?
12: Well I think Wellington's sort of coming into their own really, they're, they're more of the Saints team of old, they've got weapons right across the floor and coming off the bench And um, you know, even though they lost to the Rams in the weekend they certainly showed glimpses of what they're capable of um, they were on a real tear in the first half. I think they got out to thirty two points in the first quarter. Uh, just didn't manage to sustain it against the against the Rams. But they uh, you know they've got talent and, you know, they are gonna be a tough matchup for us. Um, because of their size, probably, you know, right across the board they were able to get to the hoop and um there's a wee fellow named Kyle Ednam who's playing pretty pretty well as well. And so when he's on form, um, the Saints are going well. So we gotta make sure we um, you know we put out some fires against them and um, especially important on that against that team to control the glass and control the tempo, um, because they they're quite happy to get up and going um, up and down the court. And if uh, if you buy into a little bit of that stuff, you can um, find yourself on the wrong side of the scoreboard.
2: Brent, we're talking about the you know the, the upper echelon of of uh, your squad and most of this conversation. But I, I'd like to know about the the younger guys, the development type aspect of of the basketball down there and. Uh, into Needon as you try to thrive and gain from this success. How do you think that's going down there?
12: Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously the bench mob. Um, you know, some of these guys have been with me for four years. This is the fourth year now um, that they've been part of the Nuggets, and um, you know they're clocking up fifty games, and you know, and reaching personal milestones as well. Um, but they, you know, the guys that, as I said, over the summer, they're the ones here, and they're the ones working hard. You know, they're putting time and effort into the game. Um, to be contributors on the floor, you know, on the, well, whenever we play, we say Saturday nights, but it's going to be any night now. Um, so, you know, they're the ones doing the, in the work. So the guys like, you know, Josh Aitchison, Matthew Bardsley, Darcy Knox, Joe Ahi, you know, and, and Robbie Coleman, who's now starting and contributing really well, have been putting in that work. And, you know, when you base yourself around a unit that are, are willing to get down, work hard. Um, no frills you know they're just basically getting down and doing what's needed to do to win Um, that's as i said it's really special to have people like that in your organization who are are prepared to do what it takes um to be you know to put a successful team on the floor
2: how about the otago people are they buying into all this success
12: yeah i mean it's um you know obviously around town and what have you and like you you're wearing your nuggets out and you know, people are commenting and there's smiles on people's faces and so on. So you know, they're getting in behind us and, and so on. So we've got a five o'clock game this week and you know, obviously the kids hopefully will be along to it, you know, Saturday night. Um, nice and early. Um, seems to be, you know, where you can get your best crowd so you know, I hope to fill up the fill up the Eager Center and, you know, have plenty of people um cheering on the nuggets, um, for this home game against a you know, a good Saints team.
2: Well, we understand you've got a special guest coming uh, uh, to town this week, or next week actually, with uh, Perth Wildcats uh, head coach John Riley coming to Dunedin next Thursday. What's uh, the reason for him visiting?
12: Uh, He's coming out to see how Harris is doing. Um, Obviously, he's got Michael Harris and Jack Andrew who are part of the team. Um, And obviously, uh, he was uh, instrumental in getting Ja'Cory McLaughlin here um, for the Nuggets as well because... um, you know, recruited and coached him in college, so um, knew what kind of character he was, and, and you know, um, convinced him or helped help get him here to the Nuggets. And so, you know, coming out to check on those guys and probably have a look at look at the New Zealand League and and uh, see what see what we're about and and so on. And uh, yeah, catch up with his um, one of his assistant coaches here. who's my assistant, uh, Jared Martin. So, that, I guess that's the focus, um, swinging on through. Um, but you know, we'll we'll pick his brains and and see who he's got to say, and, and so on. Might even
2: clean up the office, Smithy, so uh, to make sure it's a little bit prettier. <laughs> Brent, uh, I've got to ask this uh, from the, uh, from the uh, outside looking in, from, uh, you know, um, the bleachers as such. What about you? I um, mean, uh, uh, these guys are uh, in our family. Uh, is that something you even would consider, uh, a possibility of maybe staying within the family and, and going to Perth if there was an opportunity or, or somewhere else?
12: Oh, I mean, certainly something you'd look at, um, but you don't, you know, you don't kind of, um, you don't kind of think of those things mid-season, you're just really focused only on the here and now, um, trying to make sure that, you know, the, you do the right things by the players that are in front of you, and I think that's the most important part, if you do that, what will come will come, um, so, you know, you talk about coaches, you know, announcements and all this kind of stuff that's going on in the media, um, in reality we just want to coach you know, good players, and and um, you know, obviously, get the best out of them. So, you know, that's that's what it's about. If opportunities arise uh, in the future, then certainly have a look at them. Um, you know, you never know. Hutch, you might um, might send me over there just to have a wee look. Anyway,
2: that would be nice. He's a generous man. Uh, here's the thing. Um, uh, here's the thing, Brent. Uh, also, when you look at these and you talk to these guys. Is the O is the O one of your focuses? Uh, the six and O, you know, it's been the four and O, six and O this week. Uh, you're looking to to make it seven and O. Is the O a focus in what you're talking about? I
4: I, I
12: don't know that it is. Um, I think the focus has always been on basically you know position by possession, making sure you're doing the best you possibly can, um, putting in the effort, making sure we you know adhere to our I guess who we are, our identity. Which is really working hard on defence. And that, you know, I guess, you know, if it comes out that we're continuing to still have the O, then that's great. Um, uh, But probably uh, more about wearing the O on our chest um, as part of a target. So uh, I think that's probably the key um, that we're we're displaying our, you know, our mana and our our ihi, you know, basically our energy, you know, on our sleeves and and rolling them up and, and getting out there and having a crack each game.
2: Um, do you have time to watch the NBA? Have, have you had any thoughts on that?
12: Oh, I have a sneak peek every now and again. I was uh, a gutted at Marcus Smart, you know, Missed one and then hit one, but it was after the buzzer. So, Celtics today, obviously um, back home. So hopefully they can hold on to home court advantage, um, go to Philadelphia and win that in six. That'd be nice. Um, but yeah, yeah, keep an eye on it. It was uh, good watching the I guess the Lakers and the Warriors play because I don't really care who wins because um, I'm Celtics fan. <laughs>
2: can you believe I mean LeBron is 38 years of age he's entertaining thoughts of perhaps playing with his son Bronny and that would make him 39 bloody near 40 can you I mean it's hard to put into terms just what an athlete he does when you look at the court time he has I mean they don't shelter him
12: no 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 he's uh, look I mean to be honest he's an amazing amazing athlete first and foremost and and, you know from what I understand an, an amazing human as well so the work that he you know, does back home in Cleveland, and you know the the, the I guess um, the amount of money that he puts into college, kids going to college, and and raising you know awareness of uh, you know of issues with African Americans and so on. I think you know that, that that's an amazing part of who he is, um, and the amount of time that he I guess puts into making sure his body's good um you know the the i guess used to be a day in New Zealand sport where we didn't quite look after our bodies quite as well as um what they uh, what they do now um but I guess that allows him to stay in that uh, stay in the game and give him more longevity and you know, i'm sure if uh, Bronny is able to step up and play at that level um I'm sure LeBron would be uh would be one to nurture that to happen so i imagine um yeah i'm not sure that's honors on his wish list but you know you never know uh, what an amazing thing to happen
2: well it's a hell of a story um, and so is yours at the moment uh, 6-0 and defending your title uh, immensely proud uh, from uh, SENZ point of view of the work you guys are putting in as a, a unit down there wish you all the very best uh, for that encounter against uh, the Saints this weekend uh, thanks for your time mate as always
12: yeah cheers mate um, yeah enjoy the rest of your day
2: Will do, and uh, you too. It is uh, 11.18 here on SENZ. Uh, yes, uh, Brent Hardy and Clayton McMillan. They are at the head of the tree, coaching different codes, but uh, you can't beat unbeaten. It. It's uh, 11.19. On
0: SENZ. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts, and service
1: needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Turn up the volume. We're crossing live to the sports desk. What's fresh? What's making waves? Let's find out.
2: Right, it's uh, time to get to Logan Swinkles, this is his department of course, the sports desk
3: and uh, there's quite a lot to get our teeth into today I understand. Yeah this coming from uh, the AAP this morning Smithy, uh, Pat Cummins has admitted he is feeling burnt out by the, re- by the relentless nature of the cricket schedule when he returned from a frustrating run of injuries early in his international career. In his first interview since leaving India midway through Australia's tour in February to spend time with his dying mother, the Test and ODI captain, declared he wanted to play until he was 35. However, Cummins said he needed to adjust mentally after forcing his way back into the Australian side in 2017, following almost six years on the outer due to injury. Of course, the rise of T20 leagues across the world has meant players have increasingly had to choose between the riches of of franchise cricket and the prestige of playing for their country.
2: Well, it's an interesting uh, theory from uh, Pat Cummins. A couple of things that that strike it for me is uh, these leagues are a a matter of choice. I mean, you know, it's it's bank balance and, and setting up the future. So it's choice there. And Pat Cummins has been very, very highly paid over the time that he was in the IPL. In fact, I think one year he was the highest paid player in the IPL. Uh, in the 2.3, 2.4 million dollar bracket, I think US for a six weeks' work. Um, I wouldn't have thought that at that point, when he's getting that, he would be feeling uh, anything like jaded or worn out or mentally beaten up. So um, I, I would also uh, take into effect that uh, the account that he is now the Australian captain, and that with well, that comes a, a territory of pressure and expectation. Um, and uh, so obviously when he bought into that, he probably didn't realise just the extent uh, of what he would have to be uh, as a person as well, uh, not just an on-the-field leader. So uh, there's that, and the other thing that would worry me ever so slightly is that I'd hate the British media thinking that I was remotely tired, remotely tired, or remotely mentally under pressure with the ashes just around the corner, in fact, next month.
3: Yeah, uh, as Carmen said uh, to the, I think a podcast. Get real with Rio. Cricket's ba- basically twelve months of the year. There's always a cricket game going on somewhere, and I played nonstop for a year or two. This was about five, uh, four or five years ago when I kind of just came back from injuries, and he just just spent like burnout. And I just remember thinking, "Geez, I'm 25 here, and I want to do this until I'm 35. I got to find a way to balance all these different things." So I imagine that's not going to come uh, in line with the ashes. So maybe after. We'll see.
2: Mm, we will see. Um, of course, they've got home series, um, I think, against um, the West Indies and in Pakistan this year, and that's always very important for them as well.
3: Yeah. Uh, yesterday, the NHL had their draft lottery, or as we like to dub it, the Conor Bedard sweepstakes, because... Every now and then, Smithy, you get a generational talent coming through the ranks, coming through the junior leagues and uh, there's one coming through now by the name of Bedard who dominated for Team Canada, uh, the recent World Juniors. It all comes down to percentage when those little lottery balls pop up and they flip over the logos uh, live on TV and Smithy, the best part of it, is when the com- when the uh, coverage cuts away to especially when it's up to the last five teams and they've all got a chance of landing that that pick, and then they cut away to the disappointed GM who doesn't get it. I just to me it's great television, uh, mm. but uh, <laughs> a lot of Anaheim Ducks fans are feeling pretty robbed because they had the highest chance. They had a twenty five percent chance of landing the uh, the first round pick in this year's draft. But it has gone to the Chicago Blackhawks which has pissed a lot of people off because uh, Blackhawks uh, front office, not the current iteration of it but previously have been under a lot of scandal um, around various things that I won't get into because it's quite heavy. But from getting that first round pick, this is what it has done for business uh, in Chicago Smithy. Since it happened, they have made $5.2 million in ticketing revenue in less than a day. After they won the draft lottery, that is how much uh, expectation and how much excitement Connor Bedard, who's only 17 years old, is bringing to the table. They sold 500 full season ticket packages in the first 90 minutes after the uh, results were announced, and as of today, teams' sales staff are yet to make outgoing calls, only taking inbound, because they are just absolutely swamped that is the conor bedard factor you're making money he's the kind of player that can turn around the fortunes of a franchise in an instant
2: and i suppose the first thing they're going to ask him what number do you want and then they'll start selling those
3: <laughs> exactly those jerseys are going to fly off the hook
2: oh fantastic Well, uh, well conor bedard there's a name to look forward to as a sensation and um who was the basketball or was it zion uh, yeah, that's the
3: things. Yeah, it's it's tough when uh, it's that kind of draft lottery. Zion Williams with the NBA a few years ago goes to the Pelicans, and then you know a lot of injury trouble, and then just doesn't really pan out. It sucks when that happens because a franchise puts a lot of uh, expectation, fan base puts a lot of expectation on that player. So you can imagine when they don't deliver because their body fails them, how that must feel.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Anything else there from uh, the sports desk where you want to flag it? Yeah, let's get get warmed up and ready for Stumped. Okay, we'll do that. Uh, A couple of texts uh, just uh, come in on the way to Stumped. Yes, Maggie, I get you. I won't read it out, but I get where you're coming from. Uh, Kevin, who's uh, always coming in with at least one very good text a day to our show. Uh, David White will be remembered for getting very greedy with his appointment of Spark. He sent them to the wall with his demands. Uh, for more dollars uh, sky were uh, doing a brilliant job there was only one reason to change greed sky only went so far dollar wise and they went to uh twenty dollars uh, too far and uh the presentation from my view was substandard i'll remember him for not only the above but a complete lack of diligence in his decision uh and in, in his decision in replacing sky so there you go um Yes, uh, and that is a theme. I hope David White moving on is a blessing in disguise as a number of decisions have resulted in me and I know others losing interest in cricket in New Zealand. And I personally have had a close association with New Zealand Cricket, Wellington Cricket Association, the Nelson Cricket Association, through the Hawke Cup, starting back in 1980. A Spark decision was just one example. I personally think he has been dreadful for New Zealand cricket. Uh, That is uh, Neil. So um, it's it's uh, interesting. Others will remember him uh, a lot more fondly, of course. Uh, That's the job of a CEO. I mean, if Mark Robinson, um, David, uh, if you're listening to the show, David, um, they're just a selection of the ones we're getting in. We will get other ones as well, David. Um, Probably not listening anyway. But imagine, uh, I can tell you right here and now, that's small bickies. Because if Mark Robinson was to resign this morning, imagine the text line there after what has been happening uh, with New Zealand rugby of late. Right, uh, let's uh, get into Stumpsmithy, shall we? It is uh, 0800 150 811. Uh, That's the number. Brian's waiting for the calls. Logan's got the questions all loaded and ready to go. Uh, All you have to do is pick your subject. We'll get lucky with Brian too, just by the by. Uh, After that, we will have a catch-up with Andy Thompson. It's Rural Roundup Day, of course. uh, Andy's sitting poised there, so we shall do that. And um, we'll go to the news now with Ardaha. Why not?
8: Ian Smith's had a good match here.
10: Stumped by Smithy. Ian
4: Smith really is top class at his job.
3: All right, it's time to play Stumped here on SNZ Mornings with Ian Smith. We're up to, for, for a $50 TAB bonus bet today. Smithy, let's get it up. Let's get it up to 100 maybe 150 yeah. for Friday.
2: Yeah, it's been a poor week, actually. Showed some n- no form at all, uh, whatever. So uh, what are we looking at? Uh, first of all, who
3: are we dealing with today? I feel like you're almost trading luck. You're doing amazing in the uh, in the Maltese, and then you don't do well in stumped, and then when you do well in stumped, you don't do well in the Maltese. Anyway, first at the crease, we're going to Auckland. Billy, come in, mate. How are you doing? Good morning, gents. All okay here at Mount Albert.
5: Going all right? Good morning, Mount Albert.
2: Yeah, Mount Albert. So uh, you've uh, yeah. So you stayed away from the flooding.
5: Yeah, yeah. We got lucky this time, Smithy. Um, you know,
6: uh, anniversary day early Jan wasn't so good, but uh, all okay this time.
2: Yeah, and uh, a state of emergency uh, announced here uh, quite early on in the piece, and I think that was uh, a good move. You can't be too careful these days. The weather patterns are just so vicious. Uh, mm-hmm. Radio, let's uh, look at the the subjects for Billy. Uh, this morning what are his choices
3: Mount Albert my old hood Sal Rose amazing Italian restaurant your topics today Billy basketball rugby and football take your pick I'd like to go rugby uh, Logan alright good luck almost hit the wrong button there great start first question for you Billy Julian Savio now shares the lead for most tries scored in Super Rugby history with 60. In that top 10, there are six Kiwis, but only one Crusader. Can you name that lone Crusader? Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> is a, a funny good one, Logan.
2: <laughs> it is a good one, Logan.
3: Um, we, lo- we love stats.
2: How that? It's you, Brian. Oh. Is that Brian? Yeah, Brian yeah. taking the credit for it in the background there. Yeah. Can I? Uh, can I try Cebu Reese? One of the worst things I have ever seen done
8: on a cricket field.
3: No, not Cebu Reese, Smithy.
2: I'm going to go older than that. I'm going to go quite old. I'm going to go Caleb Ralph. Just wow. a couple wow. of chips down the wicket, wow. right in the slot, under
1: where it goes.
3: Yes, Caleb Ralph has 58. Smithy, well done. Unlucky Billy, so back to the pavilion for you. And now we go down to the Manor with two, the hood of Mark Stafford. And it is Carrie. Come in, mate. Hey, guys, morning. Morning, Carrie.
2: Um, Radio, I think you're due uh, to come second in this competition to be between you and <laughs> I. So, uh, all the very best for these rugby questions.
3: Yeah, well I normally do come second, so Oh, we'll see how you go, mate. Another stats one for you Topic is rugby. What team has the most dominant scrum in Super Rugby this season, winning ninety percent of their battles up front? Um go the
6: boobies actually.
3: Sorry, you just cut out, can you say that again?
2: The Brumbies.
3: One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a
8: cricket
2: field. Over to you, Smithy. Uh, I'll go the Hurricanes.
8: One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket
3: field. Oh, think of uh, who's undefeated. The Chiefs. Oh,
2: it's easy as that, was it? Well,
3: bam. Okay. <laughs> Hurricanes, good guess. Good guess. I will not uh, deprive you of that. Carrie, last question for you $50 TAB bonus bit up for grabs here. Moana Pacifica captain and former Wallabies pivot Christian Lea Leofano first appeared in Super Rugby back in 2007 for the Brumbies. In 2010, he had a season in what was called the ITM Cup back then. For which New Zealand province? Um. Oh
5: wow! Gonna go Auckland. One of the
8: worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field.
3: All right, Smithy. Is there a chance of a stumping here? I think I think I can see him in these
2: colours, but and, and I'm I'm not 100% sure. But I I'm, I think I can see him in Counties Manukau colours. No. Please tell me. One of the
8: worst
3: things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. He was with the Mulu men. Uh, Was he with Waikato? Really? Yep.
2: Waikato. Well, I didn't know that. I did not know that quite clearly. Uh, Neither did Kerry, but that doesn't mean anything, (laughs) Kerry, because you can win. You can win on this show if you're wrong and that's exactly what you've done uh, it is the most unbelievable show in the world of quizzing actually uh so uh, congratulations mate uh, enjoy the rest of your day in um, manawatu and uh, brian will get uh just to make sure that we can get that money to you as soon as possible what well i mate! congratulations
5: thanks guys
2: great show keep it up cheers G- cheers gary okay right uh, coming up to 11 40. Uh, We take a a very quick break. And when we come back, Andy Thompson is poised in the Christchurch Bureau uh, to uh, talk us through uh, what's going to happen on his show between 12 and 1. And his show, of course, is the Rural Roundup.
0: Art and service
1: needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SNZ.
2: Right, it's uh, 11.45 here on SENZ and uh, as we always say on Wednesday at this time we catch up with uh, Andy Thompson because uh, his show Rural Roundup uh, is on from 12 to 1 and uh, that's in all frequencies around the country uh, leaving out Auckland and Wellington. Um, But Andy joins us now and uh, Andy a number of uh, issues for you uh, to mull over and discuss uh, throughout your program today I'm sure but the one that really attracted uh, my attention is uh, the President of Federated Farmers Andrew Hoggart standing down um, and announcing his plans. Exactly Smithy, yeah mate Um,
7: Well if you were listening to the show last week um, you would have heard me break that uh, story actually that um, Andrew Hoggard was um, looking to stand for the ACT Party and uh, they had a bit of a busy old week and uh, scrambled together a few few (laughs) press releases and yesterday, yes, he did make that, I think it was on uh, Monday he made the announcement he was standing down from Federated Farmers and then yesterday announced that he was going to be standing for the ACT Party, him and David Seymour made the announcement, Uh, interesting announcement He's going to stand and rank a ticky. And uh, David Seymour said that um, he's going to get a very high list-placing on the um, on the ACT list So it is almost certain That Andrew Hoggard will be in Parliament um, Come October So interesting news Very, very good get for ACT, uh, Smithy Because I think you'll find A lot of farmers are actually looking to support ACT They like what ACT has been saying When it comes to the agricultural space And um, I think that's going to be A big resurgent ACT party On the back of the farmers Which is also interesting Because it leaves National an opportunity To go more for the centre vote They don't have to swing out to the right Because let's face it um, it's going to if it if it is a centre right government, it's ACT and effectively national. So interesting move.
2: Guys, going to say to you, um, in days gone by, and years gone by, uh, with my very little knowledge, uh, you would have just thought farmer straight to national. Yep,
7: and that was the case in the past, but now act um with some of its policies being um uh further to the right, um particularly when it comes to some climate change policies, uh when it comes to some of the regulations, uh and and are appealing to a more conservative farmer Base vote. There is quite a large rump of farmers. I've heard farmers saying that they are going to vote ACT to give national backbone. So it is a very very interesting time in politics last time a lot of uh, national went to uh, national farmer votes actually went to Labor believe it or not uh, to do their best mm. to keep the Greens out so very tactical voting from uh, from the rural community now so we'll see this and, and I think um, having Andrew in the ACT party uh, very high on the list along with Mark Cameron who's been a very good voice for farmers, he speaks very clearly, very succinctly, is going to be um, very good for ACT. So there's a lot to uh, lot to watch on this.
2: Absolutely. Uh, other news concerning us locally here in Hawke's Bay. Um, Hawke's Bay uh, estimated to be um, needing between $650 million to $960 million of government funding to funding to help it recover and grow back better after Cyclone Gabriel
7: yeah, massive numbers, aren't they, Smithy? I, I'll, just before we go, I'm actually going to have uh, Andrew Hoggard live on the show uh, straight after 12. Oh, so, right. Okay. Um, cool. Yeah, yeah. just thought I'd uh, just thought I'd chuck that in. So, uh, yeah, I've got them live, so looking forward to that. Mate, those eye, those numbers are eye-watering, and, and you've seen it. I, I heard you saying the other day that you haven't gone too far into it because you don't need bloody um, a whole bunch of sightseers wandering around, but I just don't know how that's going to work, where that money is going to come from. I mean... Well, When you look at it, um, government's got a job To make sure infrastructure is in place To stop these things happening But it's not actually government's job To go and repair uh, farmland, repair orchards So I'm not sure how It's private business You know, like this is a really, really difficult decision For the government Because then other businesses And you think of the homeowners in Auckland And all those sort of people are going to go Well, hold on, you're giving all them money What are you going to do with us? So it's this is a big, big issue And... and Um, It's funny actually because another person I've got on the show today is Melissa Clark Hall and she's a futurist and she said going forward with climate change we are going to have to alter where we farm and how we farm. We just can't keep going time and time again because they could spend all that money, they could spend that billion dollars and repair all of that farmland and all those orchards in in the Hawke's Bay and have have it happen again in three years' time, five years' time, who knows? So it's a big, big problem we've got.
2: So, if uh, in her theory we have to change regions of farming, etc., does that take it away from um, from hill farming? Uh, does that, I mean? And if that's the case, does that just say uh, automatically just say forestry? How, how does that work?
7: No, it just doesn't say automatically forestry, but it says says we have to look at what the implications of climate change are. We need to do our models. We need to have a look at how often the frequency and the intensity of these weather events, and is it feasible, is it practicable, practical to keep farming on these because let's face it these fertile plains are there because they are um, uh, they're basically river river flats right and why are they there because of weather events and that's just natural geography and if they're happening more and more um, what do we have to do so we don't just want forestry we certainly don't but we have to look very carefully at how we farm where we farm where we live I mean these changes are being forced on us probably way quicker than we expected and, and it's interesting because a lot of farmers still there's a rump of them that don't actually believe in this and they don't believe that anything they do, do can make any difference so big big decisions and big challenges.
2: Okay uh, Andy Thompson there uh, anything else uh, you should tell us about coming up in the show?
7: Uh, well, just a couple of things, yeah, so I said i have got Andrew Hoggard um, on the show live, and then straight afterwards I've got the new Acting Vice President, uh, or the Acting President of Federated Farmers, Wang Langford, so he's taking over. Um, Melissa Clark-Hall, as I said, really, I recorded her earlier this morning actually, a really interesting interview on the future of farming. And um, We'll do a bit of weather with Phil Duncan, uh, brought to us by Kubota as always, so yeah, plenty on the show.
2: Good on you Andy, i uh, give you about uh, eight or nine minutes to get uh, everything uh, up and running and uh, ticked off. Um, So that's uh, Andy Thompson. Um, That is uh, between 12 and 1 on all frequencies except for Auckland and Wellington. Of course, in Auckland and Wellington, uh, your option is to listen to Stappy and uh, we shall have uh, what's coming up in his show very shortly.